0: This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined, as always, with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. Good to see you again. We're going to jump right in. We also have a special guest I'm going to introduce in just a moment. Before we do that, I want to encourage you to go to practicalshepherding.com. There's all kinds of resources, other podcast episodes that are there. Where are we, Jim? Like one seventy-five around that range of uh, episodes at this yeah, point. Yeah, so. I think the last one was one seventy-five, one seventy-six. Yeah, so go check those out if you're curious if we've ever covered an issue. That's the best way to just scroll through that. It's easy to maneuver as well as books and articles and all kinds of other things that are there. We have our field guide that's there with fifty-two weeks when uh, a video, a five-minute video for each one of those topics. All of that is free. So go to the website and check that out. Uh, you can also go to the donate page and give a financial gift if you'd like to help the ministry. That is really helpful for us as we've got a lot of exciting things happening within the ministry. So thank you for those who support us and encourage us. Uh, and keep cheering us on just in this work that we're trying to do to care for pastors and, and ministry leaders, pastors' wives. Uh, today, I'm really excited because we're going to do a couple of episodes around a topic that a lot of people have asked about that we know is an important topic, and that is lay elders. And, and I want to define these terms for you. Uh, an elder is a pastor, ultimately, the office of pastor. An elder is the same office in the New Testament. And a, a lay elder, that terminology refers to one who serves as a pastor or an elder and is not compensated or paid by the church. So in many churches, there are deacons that are volunteer and don't get paid anything. A uh, very similar concept, but there's more than one pastor. And, and a pastor, an elder, uh, that is not paid by the church but serves in the church as a pastor, that is responsible for souls in the same way. The lead lead pastor is responsible. And they share the load, just like a plurality of of deacons would share the load uh, as volunteers, as those who aren't paid by the church. So we want to talk about this because we know some churches are very familiar with this and have lay elders in their church but some don't. In fact, I walked into a church that didn't and as a solo pastor moved our church that direction. We get this question a lot because there are pastors who are wanting to move from solo pastor to having lay elders in their in their church to have others to shepherd souls and minister the word with them. Before we get into this and introduce our special guest though, I'm going to ask Jim. Jim, just take a minute and just remind us biblically of, uh, of the foundation around this idea of lay
1: pastors, lay elders. Yes. I think Brian, we just recently dealt with uh bringing a church into a plurality of elders, and I think we need maybe think in terms of that there are those who are fully supported by the church and, and the scriptures address that uh, particularly you know the that those who are worthy of double honor because yeah. they Excel in the gifts of leading the church and teaching and preaching. Those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Yeah.
0: First Timothy 5. Yeah. And so
1: there are also men, I would say, who are they're bivocational, and that is they have the primary preaching and teaching responsibilities of the church. They mm-hmm. have the primary leadership responsibilities, but the church is not able to, to pay them. Mm. And then you have lay elders and, and who have a, uh, an equal... Uh, responsibility in many ways equal in authority equal in rule Uh, but there will be some differences in function generally lay elders are not doing a lot of the teaching and preaching uh, that sort of a thing and so I'd make those distinctions so so that I know we often use the expression lead lead pastor and that sort of thing which is uh, I understand what's being said it's not generally been part of our church tradition to use uh, that language and so uh, we would have, we talk about having a plurality of elders or multiple pastors, all of them shepherd the flock, uh, but there's some difference in function, and, and that generally would work itself out into, mm. you ought to be doing this full-time if you're able to do this full-time or you long to do this full-time, yeah. versus I'm coming along, I'm part of a team, I'm helping and I'm aiding, and that's more the idea of what we are of what we are looking at uh, yeah. in, in there. And I think the scriptures, maybe it's not as explicit, but that it assumes it. In regard to certain gifts, again, those who preach the gospel should live of the gospel, and some being worthy of double honor, that is among the eldership. Mm-hmm. And some will be set apart with the church's funds, and, and others uh, will not. Doesn't mean they're not qualified, doesn't mean they're not called, doesn't mean they don't meet the qualifications. It's just that their function is going to be different, and that's often even in, related to the ability of the church not many churches can support multiple elders uh, in a full time. And I would say, I'm going to add this one a little bit, Brian. Uh, I think lay elders, it may well be good that the, the a lay elder does receive some kind of stipend, whether annually or biannually yeah, or whatever, okay. that uh, acknowledges the love and affection and esteem because the labor is worthy of their hire. These men are doing labor, and we're going to talk about yeah, that. Sometimes right. they're, they're putting in multiple hours a week. And I think it's just to find some way to compensate men uh, with that. We could talk about maybe some of that, uh, even compensation for driving, compensation of books, allowance for conferences, those kinds of things they may be able to attend. Yeah, no. So I did, did want to throw that out. So, I mean, it, but we are generally speaking about somebody outside of a bivocational role, they're not in a primary leadership role but they are part of the what we call the pastoral team or the team of elders or so pastors.
0: I think we'll get into a lot of that yeah. too as this conversation goes. So I appreciate you sharing that though, Jim. And uh, and so I want to introduce our special guest, Charlie Hall is with us. Charlie, thanks for um thanks for being here and being a part of this, uh taking the time to come and have this conversation. So
2: thanks for having me, Brian. Yeah. It's great to be here. <clears throat>
0: so you uh you are a lay elder and again i want to clarify elder and pastor same terminology don't get confused by that but you have been a lay elder of the reformed baptist church of louisville for how long charlie
2: for 14 years i think okay since 2008
0: but you've been there how at the church how long
2: i've been at the church since formally since 1998.
0: okay 1998.
2: right so about 24 years okay
0: Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, let the listeners know you're just a regular person uh, that served the local church. So, what, you know, what are some things about you that would be helpful for people to know?
2: Um, I'm married to my wonderful wife Donna. Okay, we have four children. The oldest is an adopted girl. She is now f- she'll be forty this year. Wow. Okay. Then we have three boys uh, of our own that uh, are 29 between the ages of 29 and 20. Mm. And uh, we came to the church in 1997. We began coming. And that was when I had first had my eyes open to a better understanding of the doctrines of grace. Mm. And that also ended our approximately seven-year journey of jumping from one church to the next looking for what we were, what we thought we needed, what we thought was, was best. Yeah. And certainly discovering the doctrines of grace brought those things into sharper focus for us. We began attending the church when we lived 60 miles away. Wow. And, uh... Drove down every Lord's Day for about six months and then moved to the area so that we could be nearer by.
0: So you moved to the area for the church?
2: Yeah, yeah. because it, basically we moved around the, the rim of a wheel with my work at the center. Okay. So we didn't move further away from work. We just moved closer to church.
0: Gotcha. Will you tell everybody a bit about your work that you've been, that you've been doing all these years?
2: Yeah, I worked for 32 years as a chemical engineer Hmm. uh, for the same company, which was called Dow Corning. It is now a part of Dow Chemical. Hmm. Um, But I worked in the plant in Carrollton, Kentucky for 29 of those 32 years. Okay. And uh, it was... Within the environment of that plant that I met a man who actually attended the church here and still does huh who was conducting a Bible study that was introducing the doctrines of grace and that's what started me into that hmm. to learning about that and that's really when I another thing I should mention is I was converted as a uh as an adult I was converted as a married man What age were you converted So to I right? was about 23 Okay all right and uh my <laughs> I often say to my wife, and I used to say to her dad when when he was alive, that it's one of the the uh, errors in judgment that they made in allowing his daughter and his daughter marrying an unconverted man mm. that I'm very thankful for. Mm. The Lord converted me about a year after I was married, and uh, and my my kind of process of learning began then, mm. and it it's still going on.
0: Wow. So what you're saying, Charlie, is that First Peter three has a particularly special meaning for you <laughs> uh, in the way your wife uh, witness was uh, absolutely uh, you. Yeah.
2: Now, yeah, that's true. I, I don't want to go into all the details. Yeah, it, sure. But yes, that's, that's right.
0: true. That's right. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. And so you came to the church, and at what time did you become an actual lay elder of the church?
2: Um, well, the the year was two thousand eight. I initially expressed an interest. Uh, in a desire to be in the eldership in 2004, and that, and we went through a process of me doing some more teaching in the church and getting more familiar with all the people in the church, and then by our constitution there was a vote, and I came up just a hair's breadth short of the the needed votes to become an elder. So. I didn't, and that was fine. And I went on mm. for another four years. Okay. Um, during that time, I continued learning. Obviously, I also continued to to get to know the folks in the church better and better, as is kind of a normal relational process. Um, and uh, in 2001, I was actually it was 2002. I was formally diagnosed. With MS, okay, and that's had a big impact on me mm. physically, obviously, but it's had a big impact on me spiritually, and though it really began to bear fruit in those years between 2004 and 2008, and it made me a different candidate, a different man in 2008 than I was mm. in 2004. Yeah, but I was—I had the same desire, mm. and that's
0: no. So Charlie, that desire, we talk about that a little bit. When did you begin to sense a desire to want to serve the church in a lay eldership type capacity?
2: Yeah, that, that, uh, that really developed during the, how many years was it? Six years before I initially expressed that. Six years in the church body before that where I was getting to know people and naturally we were having... Give and take conversations back and forth, and we talked about spiritual issues. And I was, I was in a sense, offering them my counsel, and my support, and my love. And it was during that time of 2004 that I realized, in actually in reading through the qualifications of an elder, that. I have I have a desire to help people to serve people in this church in this way that mm. I'm doing, and I would like to uh, formalize it to make uh, them more accessible by me and vice versa. Mm-hmm. A- and so that's why I expressed the uh, the desire initially. But like I said, when I was when I was turned down for that, it was not a cataclysmic event in my life. It was a cataclysmic event in some people's lives. It was mm. cuz it was awkward. Mhm. Charlie just got voted down for elder last week and here he is at church again. But that wore off fairly quickly. Okay. And it's fine.
0: That's interesting to me, Charlie, because a lot of people would have been hurt by that and maybe left. What made you stick around after that?
2: Well, <laughs> I mean the bottom line is the Lord made me stick around. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. if you think if you talk about it humanly, what made me stick around was the fact that I was still doing exactly what I wanted to do, which mm. was relaying to people, trying to understand their burdens and trying to help them where I could. And mm. and sharing my burdens with them and having them help me where they can. Mm. Because I certainly had those especially early on after my diagnosis. Where I had a lot of questions and a lot of uncertainty about the future, and uh, and so we were able to have a good back and forth relationship. I was able to have that with with several men in the church and many people in the church.
0: Mm, that's great, Jim. I want to turn to you as you hear Charlie tell his his initial story about you know bec- becoming an elder in that process of the desire. You were his pastor at the time. Yes, and 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 you you all are. It needs to be said. You all are both very close friends and have been for a long time. Yes. So will you share a little bit about that season that he was articulating 2004, 2008 first turned down, stayed around, became an elder. Eventually was diagnosed during that time. Mm. What what are some of the observations from you during that time?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously the fact that I, and I'm trying to remember, we had at least, we had two other elders, I think at that time, uh, we obviously had confidence in Charlie, uh, you know, it, the, the awkward thing you mentioned that, you know, we're, we're good friends. Uh, we spend we've spent a lot of time together, our families vacation together. We've we've been to the Smoky Mountains, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 times, probably together as families. Our kids grew up together. Our wives are very close friends, et cetera. And I I think that that was actually a stumbling block to some in the congregation. It was kind of like, oh, you get to be Jim's pal. Maybe you get to be an elder. And and I I really, (laughs) that really hurt me. It really stung because Mm -hmm. I thought, do do you think I lacked that integrity? I have other friends here that I didn't put forward. You know, it wasn't. I mean, granted, Charlie was greasing my palm. But no, I'm just kidding. No, no. Full,
0: is Charlie, full disclosure, I'm Jim's friend because of yeah. the benefits. Yeah, just gotta, well, i just got to be I straight have, up. I, well, believe
1: me, I've, <laughs> I've thought sometimes when I get to be, uh, when I, uh, I, I've i gotten, because our church is a generous church, I've thought sometimes other people want to have uh, us in here. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry, we're... Um,
0: Okay, Jim, finish what you were saying. Good.
1: Yeah, sorry, we had a little interruption there. Somebody came we in did, yeah, Kansas that's right. Came in and uh, to the recording. This, we are well, in real time, baby. We're in this real is time. Th- we are located th- th- near on a busy street. People here. walk by and wave and to us walk while we're recording. Somebody
0: fire trucks go by. You maybe yeah, hear yeah, those all kinds of things. Here we go. Yeah. yeah.
1: So anyway, I mean, I was making a, a side comment about something else, but to get back to um, you know. I'm I believe Charlie was a man of integrity. I believe that Charlie uh, fit the qualifications. I believe that we needed extra help as an eldership. Uh, that uh, that Charlie had had gifts and abilities, particularly in in teaching. Uh, he hasn't done as much preaching. He's done a little bit, but but more uh, Sunday school. And then certainly saw his benefit as a as a counselor yeah, uh, yep. and somebody that could offer good counsel, practical counsel. Is knowledgeable in the scriptures. Um, Charlie's not had formal training. Uh, you know, our our lay elders generally have not had formal training. They're, they've not they're not seminary trained, but they are theologically equipped. They meet the mm-hmm. qualification in regard to the knowing sound doctrine and being able to uh, defend that and refute false teaching and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of a little bit from uh, our perspective. So we saw that, then with Charlie's MS, which obviously he continues to have and this occasionally is a discussion about how much longer can you do this given some Mm -hmm. of the bodily weakness attendant with that and and we have to be mindful we're not always as mindful he he handles it so well and he handles it so uncomplainingly that you can it's easy to forget that he has it and because he's so willing to Serve and to do things uh, and stretches himself. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful. You know, so I would say this one of the lessons we got to be careful not to take advantage of our lay elders uh, in this. But uh, it came around actually. You know, between the the that first vote and then later on, some of the people that had said no came to me and said, "I've changed my mind on that and would love to see." charlie put forward again yeah okay uh and so that happened everything went much 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 uh, more smoothly and and there was unanimous if not near unanimous yeah. um a consensus with the church jim thanks i want to turn back to charlie on
0: this because so charlie and by the way I, i'm convinced just as i'm listening to you and I'm, I'm sure others are thinking the same thing that that you're uh you serving as a lay elder with ms and the The challenges that have come with that, uh, I would think God used that even, even though we would talk about maybe some of the physical restrictions. And as He just mentioned, that that God used that to even enhance your ministry among your people, knowing that um, that you you have the you have a struggle that is similar to other people and able to empathize and relate to that. Um, have you found that to be true through the years of serving as a as an elder?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. I found that to be true. It's definitely, it is something God has used in my life, in my heart, to shape me in a way I would not have been shaped if I didn't have it. Yeah, And it enables me to empathize with others in our congregation who have the same type, the same family of physical struggles in a way that I couldn't have, and others can't sympathize, empathize anyway yep. if if, uh, if they don't have it. Mm, yeah. So I, I understand it in a way that others don't.
0: I'm sure you do. And I want, Charlie, I want to turn to, uh, so you became a lay elder, so it took a little while. <laughs> uh, round two came, people affirmed that, yep. uh, which also, I mean, is I'm sure is maybe hard that is initially. There's, I assume there was probably an encouragement that comes watching people even just Jim talking about, oh no, I changed my mind. Something changed their mind, and and th- there would be no way to to point to that other than just people continuing to watch your life, experience you in the church in the way they did, to where they saw you, that you would be make a good elder. You become an elder. What was that like? So based on like you you have these expectations, yeah. almost you know four years later, <laughs> you finally get to be in this place that you were desiring and and wanting. Uh, What kind of expectations did you go into and then what was it like when you actually experienced what it meant to be an elder?
2: I would say that that my expectations going in were that we were formalizing something that I was doing already Mm -hmm. and I expected it to be much of the same. I think that what I what i ended up experiencing and it's hard for me to it's hard for me to go back in time and say did i experience this right when i started or what did i learn it as i went mm-hmm. but there's a lot there's a lot more to shepherding a flock than simply uh counseling with them and empathizing with their struggles and and so forth and some of those things I was not I did not expect. I was not I was not uh floored by them, but I did not expect them. I've had in my thirty-two years in industry, I've had a lot of what what industry calls leadership training. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the, the theory and the little tricks and practical things that go along with that. Uh and I use those things. Mm. I use those things now, mm. but I didn't expect to use them because mm. I don't think about, I did not think about my my role in the church once I was a lay elder as being similar to my role in the workplace where I was leading a global department of people. Yeah. But there were more similarities than I expected. Yeah, yeah. Not Complete, but there were more similarities than I expected.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's good. So I tell the story when we finally moved to plurality of, of pastors, elders, and we we affirmed three men for that role, and it was year six uh, at Auburndale that this happened. And I'll never forget um, when they officially were affirmed, and we had our first meeting, and I I kind of call it the the giant you know you know just the the, the garbage dump in a sense the. Um, I brought them into all these pastoral situations that none of them were privy to. That all, and now that they're assuming these burdens with me, and just to watch their reaction of you know you, they'd been at the church, they knew people, but they weren't in those very private, uh, sensitive, confidential uh, pastoral meetings that that people gave me permission to bring them into once they became elders the way they would articulate the burden they felt that from when they walked in that room to the when they walked out. Can you describe, did that burden, mm-hmm. did you feel it immediately when you mm-hmm. became in a, or was it more of a gradual thing as you came to know more about the situations in the church?
2: <laughs> it was, uh, for me, for our situation as a church and for me individually, it was very much a step change. It was mm-hmm. very much... A a truck backing up and dumping a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's
0: what it felt for me too, yeah.
2: But I I don't know any other church's situation. For for me, when I became an elder, we were undergoing a time in our congregation that was especially tumultuous. Mm. And because of my, my training in the workplace, I naturally... Wanted to step in and shoulder the burden with everyone else, but I really wasn't prepared to do that because I didn't know the background. I didn't know a lot of what what had gone on beforehand, and that made it difficult. And I had to more than more than much more than I than I need to now. I had to step back and let the guys deal with it who knew a lot of the background already. Yeah. That said, I did have to do things that I would not have been able to do had I not had the training in the workplace that I had. Yeah. Because it's it's hard to have hard conversations with people. Yeah. And unless you've had practice at it, it'll wither you.
0: And hard conversations whether it's work or church or family, whatever, they're hard conversations, aren't they? Yes, so- they are. That's helpful Charlie. I want to turn to Jim before we wrap this episode uh, just by Jim, will you reflect on uh, watching Charlie, you know, a, a good friend before all of this, watching Charlie become an or watch the church affirm him in a way that they didn't before. Mm-hmm. What was that like for you as you began to on ramp
1: him into all the elder stuff? Well, I mean, again, it was encouraging and it was I felt needed. I felt we needed somebody and that Charlie brings a, a particular set of skills and did and does bring, uh, among other things, Charlie's a very good administrator, right? which I'm which I'm not. Um, and so Charlie now is kind of if we had what you would call a chairman uh, of the elders and, and, and runs our elders meetings, Charlie does that. It's it's something he's gifted in and, and trained in uh, and and so again, he came in on a really rough time and I felt badly for that and I, uh, I I'm trying to remember all the conversations, but he's burdened at work. I mean so you get a guy and this is part the thing with a lay elder is that he also had some some periods of work that were very, very weighty. That he had to deal with and then on top of that you come in and you're tired and distracted from that and have to deal with a heavy burden so we were going through again what he would call a tumultuous time we've had two or three of those in my 32 years here Um, and it's interesting uh, two of them corresponded with bringing on new elders uh, Derek uh our 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 other fully supported elder came in during a very difficult time and then Charlie came in during a yeah. very difficult time. Yeah. And so I I saw the goodness of God in that um it was because we have we naturally spend time together anyway um we would it was good to be able to share those burdens with a friend who is now a, a co-laborer. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a particularly difficult season for me. It was one of the hard, hardest seasons. I, I, they all blend in in a sense now. Trying to, well, which one was the hardest? It wasn't too long They're after just all that, hard, that I, you know? You know, yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, my wife traces. She thinks some of my heart condition, you know, is traceable uh, to that period so of that life really, and just mm-hmm. the. Mm-hmm. Uh, burdens of all of that but it was great to have another man uh, alongside I was the only fully supported elder so it was me and three lay elders the mm-hmm. other the other so uh, the two other men both had full-time jobs as well okay. and so having another man in that but again it was so n- n- not any one of them was able to offer the kind of support a full-time man did but three uh, lay elders together was a yeah. tremendous help and blessing and yeah <clears throat> No that's a great point and, and I think I want to wrap the episode by, by
0: acknowledging this based on what you said that we talk a lot about the unique role of a of a, a pastor who's full-time pastor he's got his own own personal burdens he's got his own family burdens but then he's taking on all the burdens of of the church as the pastor but what's not talked about as much is how much a LA, lay lay elder has those things and a whole other job burdens that you articulate yeah, it's unbelievable and, the, yeah the, and the, takes on the church burdens right. so well, I think that's a good place for us to stop, but to acknowledge yeah. that this is a unique call uh, for men who who have full
1: time jobs and families and all that, and yet are w- part of the call is willing to assume yeah. those burdens. I can I just say I wanted to yeah, follow ahead. up on that, yeah. and that's just just say, guys, if, if you're in a situation like that and you're and you have lay elders. Uh, be mindful of that. Uh, you know, if you feel disappointed that they didn't do enough, or that you know, whatever, something like that. Just think about what they're going through. They're going through, a, in some sense, they go through. Aside from the preparation of preaching, they bear all the burdens you bear. And plus all the burdens of work, yeah. uh, and 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 very often, you know, like when then somebody comes to the church and say, well, who's your pastor? They get you get you're the one they get pointed to, not them. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to say I've, tr- I've tried to acknowledge this almost all the time when somebody comes and, and I'll say I'm one of the pastors here. Or they'll say, are you the pastor? I'll say, well, I'm one of four pastors here, and I'll point out the other men. I said mm-hmm. they, these are the shepherds here because I want to I want to acknowledge that verbally and i want the church to be able to acknowledge that 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 there's so much that couldn't and wouldn't get done without uh, the blessing of these men, and they yeah. do it with very little public, often very little to no public recognition, yeah. And, and and sometimes without the empathy that comes and says, "Brother, I know you're doing this at great cost, mm. and, and how much we." So I just want to say, celebrate this and yeah, and absolutely. encourage encourage your your lay elders.
0: We wanted to be able to use this first episode to kind of just lay the groundwork, let you hear from Charlie. Some, so Charlie, thanks for being here with us. We're going to do a, a second episode with Charlie. And we're going to get into some of these, these logistics of things, of how elders work together. How do you balance that when you have men who have all these responsibilities and yet are willing to come and assume the call and, and embrace it uh, as part of caring for the church? We're going to get into some of those those details. But let me take a minute and pray for you And uh, as we just wrap this up. Lord, we're grateful for uh, the, the men you raise up to serve the church as as lay elders thank you for charlie and his his faithful life and ministry and we pray lord you'd bless him you'd strengthen his health and that you would continue to just strengthen his ministry in the church we pray also for for pastors who are trying to figure out how to how to move to possibly to having lay elders how do you evaluate uh, to find elders in the church all those things we pray you'd give them wisdom and that they would receive the blessing and the benefit that Jim and their church has received from Charlie and other elders that they've had. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.